I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Well, we're all um, talking about going on holiday or coming back from holiday or how did your holiday go or what's your holiday going to look like? Um, summer holidays, that is. Well, believe it or not, my wife Caroline and I are planning a skiing holiday for next year already. We love being in the magnificent French Alps. And I love that feeling of zooming down a mountain with, with an icy breeze in my face, hoping I can stay upright until I get to the bottom. But while I can't wait to be enjoying that exhilarating experience on the slopes, I can't say that I'm looking forward to the journey. We're always on a budget, so we usually travel by car, and the journey seems to take forever. But on top of that, it, it, it being a, a long journey, it's also a hazardous journey. Tiredness is an obvious problem. We often drive through the night, and if we're driving through the night, I'm always worried about falling asleep at the wheel. And then there's the snow. Of course, we want snow. Uh, but when you get to the bottom of the mountain and you start to go up the mountain in the car, if there's lots of snow on the ground, it uh, makes reaching the resort pretty treacherous. One way and another, I really don't look forward to the journey, but it's worth it because of what it leads to. Now, that is often how I feel about the Christian life. I am really looking forward to the final destination, being with the Lord in the glorious new creation. But between now and then, the journey is full of hazards. Oh, don't mishear me from last week or this week. There are lots of wonderful things in this life. There's lots of good things about living here. But as we were thinking last week, life as a Christian is tough. And there are any number of real dangers that could easily make us stumble and fall. Now, honestly, as I look ahead, I sometimes wonder if I'll make it, if I'll keep going in the Christian life. Because sadly, down through the years, and I guess you've experienced this if you've been a Christian for a while as well, as well down through the years, I've seen people who've given up the Christian life before the end. The journey to the promised new creation is full of hazards. Now, that is the issue in Psalm 121, the psalm we're looking at this morning. We began this short series looking last week at Psalm 120. As we turn to these psalms, we're in a section of 15 psalms called the Songs of Ascents. You'll see that title at the head of every psalm from Psalm 120 to 134. And as we considered last week, the Songs of Ascents were songs compiled as a, as a playlist for the ultimate road trip. Uh, the songs that pilgrims would have sung as they ascended the mountainous terrain on their way up to Jerusalem. Uh, but as we said last week, as we sit here week by week, uh, listening to these psalms, we're not on a journey to earthly Jerusalem. Most of us, many of us, will never even go to that great earthly city. But if we are Christians here today, we are on a journey up to heavenly Jerusalem, where one day we will be finally and fully with the Lord in the glorious heavenly city of God. Heavenly Jerusalem is our final destination. 
And these songs, this playlist, if you will, is here to help us keep going on the journey. And Psalm 121 encourages us to keep going as we look ahead at all the hazards that are on the journey. And that's our first point, if you're still following along on the handout, a hazardous journey. Verse 1, I lift my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? I uh, first visited Jerusalem when I attended a conference there back in 2008. But before I'd even set foot in Israel, I knew from the Bible that Jerusalem is built on a hill. But while I was there, I saw just how barren and rough the terrain is for miles around that great city. So when you are miles away from Jerusalem, making a journey on foot, looking up at the barren landscape, the hills spelt danger. At night, the dangers of bandits and wild animals during the day, the scorching Middle Eastern sun, it is a potentially deadly journey. So here in verse 1 is an Israelite pilgrim, hundreds of years before Christ, on a journey up to Jerusalem, looking up to the mountains, wondering how he'd ever survived the journey. And as he lifted his eyes to the mountains ahead, verse 1, he asked, where does my help come from? The journey is going to be really tough. Who or what is going to help me make it to the end? And many of us will ask the same question. As we think about the journey through life before we reach heavenly Jerusalem, we're bound to ask this kind of question. I remember when my son Joshua decided to follow Jesus. He was just a little boy. And one of the first questions he ever asked me was this, Daddy, how can I be sure I'll get to heaven? In the last 30 years of gospel ministry, I've had adults come and ask me the same sort of question. It is a great question. Because on our way up to heavenly Jerusalem, there are many things to stop us keep going in the Christian life. Indeed, we're not going to have time to look at all these psalms in this series. But if we went on, Psalm 123, 124 and 125 deal with the very hazards that we're likely to face as we make the journey. All over the world, Christians are in danger for their lives just because they are Christians. That's what Psalm 124 is about. Today, as Christians meet in Afghanistan, North Korea, Somalia, Libya, Yemen, Eritrea, Nigeria, Pakistan, Iran, India, many Christians put their lives in danger just as they meet together as we are on a Sunday. I'm, I've got to say I'm humbled when I think of Christian brothers and sisters all around the world who face the very real threat of arrest and imprisonment and even the death penalty just because they follow Jesus. It's not just actually in the far-flung corners of the world. In this country, my wife and I know people who fear for their lives just because they've turned to Jesus from other religions. I've got to say, I wonder if I'd stay faithful if I were in their shoes. Of course, most of us here don't face that kind of danger, but there are many things that do threaten to derail us from following Jesus Christ. At work, at school, with friends and family, we can expect ridicule. That is the issue in Psalm 123. People contemptuously pouring scorn on us because we follow the Lord. Just look at the way Christians are portrayed in the media. We're made to look like people who've suspended our critical faculties in order to believe the Bible. Uh, someone that I was speaking to about, uh, about Jesus said to me once, um, me, become a Christian? To do that, I'd have to rip my brains out and flush them down the toilet. Six months later, he did actually become a Christian. But um, you see, that was his initial perception of Christians, uh, that we're all unthinking people who believe the unbelievable. Many of you will have uh, been on the receiving end of that kind of scorn 
because we're portrayed as weak, pathetic people who need a crutch to help us get through life. And if it's not out-and-out persecution or contemptuous ridicule, then we're sure to know the temptation just to blend in with the world. That's the issue in Psalm 125. So at work, we might feel the temptation to, to compromise, not to stand against slightly unethical practices, not to rock the boat so that we'll not jeopardize a potential promotion. It is so tempting to want to kind of fit in at work with our friends. It is very tempting to give in to the powerful and magnetic pull of the luxurious lifestyle of exotic holidays and ever bigger real estate or or to look for significance or status in our career. Look, the point is simple. There are any number of things that could stop us on our journey up to heavenly Jerusalem. And so as we lift our eyes, not up to the hills, but up to the hazards ahead, we might well wonder if we're going to make it. And we might well cry out, who's going to help me navigate all this? That's the question in verse one. Where does my help come from? Well, from then a hazardous journey to a certain help. The question in verse one, where does my help come from? The answer, verse two, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. What an enormous encouragement. Who's going to help me keep going in the Christian life? The maker of heaven and earth, the creator of everything, everything. Just think about it. There are apparently 400 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Our sun is 150 trillion miles from the center of our galaxy. Our galaxy is just one of a cluster of 30 galaxies. Altogether, it's estimated there are over 100 billion galaxies, and each galaxy has over 100 billion stars. It is mind-boggling. And God has set all this in place. It's not just the huge aspects of creation that's so mind-blowing. The maker of heaven and earth also created the small things. The molecules, the neutrons, the protons that make up planet Earth. He made the 75,000 miles of blood vessels in your body that carry blood to over 60 trillion cells. As the old Booper advert used to say, you're amazing. And it's not just you and me that's amazing. Think about the humble caterpillar. Did you know that a caterpillar has 228 separate and distinct muscles in its head? That's a lot of muscles for a bug. And consider the trees. The average elm tree has approximately six million uh, leaves on it. One tree, six million leaves. No wonder it takes so long to rake up the leaves in the autumn. Now, the point of all this, verse 2, it is the maker of heaven and earth, the one who made all this. He is the one who will help me on my journey to the heavenly Jerusalem. The one who made everything will help me through everything. The God who is powerful enough to make everything is powerful enough to help me through anything. But he's not just the maker of all things. Notice there in verse 2, this promise comes from the Lord. The Lord in capital letters, as we said last week, whenever we read the Lord in capital letters in the Bible, it's the name Yahweh. Yahweh, the covenant-making and promise-keeping God. The God who is compassionate and faithful and gracious and forgiving and slow to anger and abounding in love and kindness. The Lord who promises to keep us and who never breaks his promises. The Lord about whom Paul said, we've already had this first read, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So when I look ahead and I wonder if I'll keep going in the Christian life, I wonder if I'll make it to the heavenly Jerusalem, the resounding answer comes back, the Lord 
This wonderful, kind and loving God who has promised to keep us and always keeps his promises. The God who made all things, this Lord and God, will help me and keep me going to the end. It's wonderfully reassuring and comforting. Because if it was just down to me, I'd not keep going in the Christian life. The struggles of this life would wear me down. The dangers of this life would swallow me up. The distractions of this life would throw me off. But through this psalm, we have the repeated promise that the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, will keep me. Just look at that repetition. Verse 3, he who keeps you. Verse 4, he who keeps Israel. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you. Second half of verse 7, he will keep your life. And verse 8, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in forever. It's wonderful. Six times in eight verses comes the assurance that the Lord will keep me. It's not just down to me. Verse two, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And look at the detail. He will help me and keep me every step of the way. Verse three, he will not let your foot be moved or as the NIV has it, he will not let your foot slip. See, for the pilgrim on their way up to earthly Jerusalem, the terrain was rocky and it was very easy to lose their footing. Again, that is how it is in the Christian life. For most, life is rarely a smooth road and we can easily slip up and fall down. Many of you don't need me to tell you that life is tough. In this economic uh, climate, people are worried about putting food on the table, keeping warm and having a roof over their heads. Gas and electricity bills remain high. Food price inflation has slowed, but a basket of shopping is still rising year on year. It's still very expensive. And in news this week, many people are deeply worried about this week's interest rate rise. How will they pay the mortgage? And if it's not financial concerns, others have health worries, relationship difficulties, anxiety issues. So for many, life is tough, whether you are Christian or not. But the going seems to get that much harder if you're trying to live God's way. That is the setting here. The only reason the psalmist was in danger of his foot slipping was because he was on his way up to Jerusalem. Had he not been on this pilgrimage, had he just stayed at home with his feet up in front of the telly eating a bacon sandwich, well, probably not a bacon sandwich, anyway, you know what I mean. Um, Had he not set out on the journey, he wouldn't face the dangers of this pilgrimage up to Jerusalem. Living the Christian life and standing for Christ can make life harder and more hazardous. It's what we saw last week in Psalm 120. We live in a world where to be Christian is increasingly out of sync with the rest of society. Look, just think about the stuff that we, uh, we allow to watch on our television sets, the nudity, the crude language, the immorality. Every day in our living rooms, we, we're exposed to a way of life that it is odds with following Jesus. Think of the ads we watch, adverts that powerfully subvert our soul. You know, during the final of The X Factor, A 30-second ad costs £250,000, quarter of a million pounds, just for 30 seconds. That doesn't include the the making of the advert, of commissioning of advertising agency, shooting the ad, paying for the celebrities that appear in it. Quarter of a million pounds is simply the price of showing the advert just once for 30 seconds. The sums in advertising 
are eye-watering. But brands such as Sky, BMW, Coca-Cola are willing to spend around £6 million in the X Factor ad breaks because advertising pays. As we watch cool people driving a BMW, we want one. Oh, I know you're not that shallow, but I am. When we see packages that uh, that Sky offer, we feel that if we don't have a Sky deal, we're missing out. When we look at happy, beautiful people drinking Coca-Cola, we want a can of fizzy pop, hoping it'll make us happy and beautiful too. I know it's too late to make me beautiful, but I'd still want a a can of Coke. Now, of course, sitting here in the cold light of day, you and I know that while the world offers so much, it doesn't deliver. But as we sit in front of our television sets with our feet up and our guard down, we're not immune from being pulled towards wanting any number of things in order to want to make life better. The lure of the world is enticing. That's why companies spend a small fortune on advertising, because it works. Now, the point of all this is that it's hard to follow Jesus when every day, all around us, we are being told that other things will give us what we're looking for. So here we are on a journey up to heavenly Jerusalem, and every day there are temptations that can easily make our foot slip. And so how reassuring, verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. That is a great thought in verse 4, isn't it? The Lord never has an afternoon nap. He's never sleepy. He never nods off when he should be keeping an eye on us. The Lord is always wide awake, fully alert, and watching over us. And he's watching over us to protect us, verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Uh, During the day, the Middle Eastern sun would scorch the pilgrim on his journey up to Jerusalem. Uh, My daughter is in Israel right now this week, and she posted a, a picture on the family WhatsApp group with the comment, in the desert in 41 degree heat. It's boiling there. Across Europe this summer, record-breaking temperatures have been recorded. Temperatures have killed some. Remember back to last summer, when one day the temperature reached 40 degrees Celsius in London. We all longed for air-conditioned offices and cool homes. Just imagine climbing all day in 40-degree heat, climbing up to Jerusalem with the sun beating down relentlessly through the day. The heat of the sun in the Middle East was a life-threatening danger. And then at night, when the sun finally went down and the moon came out and the temperatures cooled, while there was relief from the heat, there was new dangers in the hills. Wild beasts on the prowl, thieves able to creep around under cover of darkness. This journey up to Jerusalem was dangerous, but the Lord promised protection, verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. And I love that in verse 5. The Lord is your shade. We have um, twin girls, Susanna and Bethan. They're 23 now. When they were babes in arms, we had a kind of long buggy. We called it the stretch limo for babies. And when we took them for a walk in the park, one of the girls would lay at one end of the buggy, the other at the other end. But um, we only had one place to fix a parasol on the buggy. So when we took them for a walk, when the sun was shining and beating down, no matter how we arranged the parasol, the sun would inevitably beat down on one of them. 
And so as I pushed the buggy along, I'd, I'd sort of position myself so that my, my shadow would protect the other one that didn't have the parasol from the sun. Now that is verse 5. The Lord is your shade. Isn't that wonderfully personal? It's not just the Lord puts up an umbrella to protect you. He is your shade. He personally shades you. He puts himself in the way of the beating sun, the sun that would scorch you. And it surely makes us think of the Lord Jesus. As he died on the cross, he was shading us, taking all the blazing heat of the punishment for sin. His death protecting us from our sin and from all the scorching accusations of the evil one. His death protecting us from all the times that our feet have slipped. And then after his death came his glorious resurrection, defeating death so that in him, even death can't keep us from reaching the glorious heavenly Jerusalem. Indeed, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, our death is now the gateway to that final destination. And then after Jesus' death and resurrection came his ascension. And he poured out his Holy Spirit so that we can have his ever-present help in trouble. Strengthening us, empowering us to keep living for him. Here is the Lord's personal protection. The fruit of the gospel, Jesus' death, resurrection and ascension means that even if we stumble as we go through the heat of life, he shades us and stops us from being scorched. And so this psalm is magnificent assurance for those who are God's people. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 and 8 are kind of the, the summary of the psalm. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. He will keep you from all evil. That is not a promise there'll be no struggles or difficulties. Of course not. But it is a promise that will be kept from any harm that could stop us from reaching our final destination. Whether you face the struggles that are peculiar to the Christian life or just the normal struggles of life, the Lord will watch over you. He'll keep you for heaven. In that sense, he'll keep you from all evil. So stick with him and you will make it to the heavenly Jerusalem because he'll get you there. This is a psalm full of wonderful assurance. Keep going. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep reading your Bible and praying. Keep being consistent in meeting with other people who are Christians. Keep making a priority to keep going with God's people. Keep going. And the assurance is he will keep you. Verse 2, help comes from the Lord. The Lord who made heaven and earth. Christian, be assured he will, you will make it to the heavenly new Jerusalem. And next week, we're going to see just how exciting that is. Let's pray. We sang earlier, I was made to walk with him, yet I look for worldly treasure and forsake the king of kings. But mine is hope in my redeemer. Though I fall, his love is sure. For Christ has paid for every failing. I'm his forevermore. We thank you, our Lord and God, for the wonderful assurance of this psalm. We pray especially for any who are struggling, who are sort of barely hanging on by their fingertips. And we pray for them and for all of us that we would be assured that it's not really about our hanging on, 
but about your firm grip on us. May this psalm encourage us to keep going. And may we be encouraged to, uh, to keep serving you until that final day when we'll fully be with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen.